1: Welcome to Hey YA! From great new books to favorite classic reads, new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by Erica Asipetti and me, Tears of Rice. We are recording this on December fifteenth. Hello, Erica. Hey, how are you? I'm okay. I'm kind of just like wrapping my head around the fact that the last month of the year is like halfway over as of this recording. It doesn't so- make sense. That's a little wild. It doesn't Um, make sense. (laughs) Um, It's kind of like that end of the year holiday crush. Everything Mm. is happening all at once. And I'm just keeping my head above water. How about you? Same. I feel like it hasn't hit me fully
0: that it's like about to be 2024. And it's like, it feels like a lot has happened. And it also feels like the year has gone by really quickly. Like, I'm just thinking of like, say, March. March feels simultaneously five years and one month ago somehow to me
1: yeah little <laughs> a little
0: intense a little intense for sure little just a little intense so yeah i am i am excited for the new year though i'm excited to see what it'll bring it's always an interesting i know like some people like depending on what culture you are part of january is not like a new year for you but so sometimes like when you know whenever you start off a new year it can be arbitrary depending on what other culture someone else is from but with that said I do I do look forward to like to see what
1: new things come. Yeah. Yes. I I mean even though it's kind of an arbitrary date in the calendar yeah, I do kind of like that idea of, like, refresh, reset, okay, let's go. Like, exactly. new year. Um. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. It'll, it'll yeah. be good. I don't usually sit good. around and set, like, resolutions, but I like to reflect and, and set intentions, so that's always nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like that is, a, that might be a generational thing. Like, we realize that the resolutions, they're not, like, it's almost kind of doomed to fail sometimes because it's like they're contained within the january February like little block, and then they're forgotten about, but if you are like more mindful about things and set intentions and maybe they'll stick right <laughs> uh, maybe right, yeah hopefully,
1: yeah, but yeah, um so yeah, anywho, that's where we're that's where we're at right that's now. that's where we are, that's where we are, yeah, that's who we are right now. Yes, Um, so (laughs) I'm going to get a couple of announcements out of the way and then, yeah, we're going to dive in. Um, So first thing I want to share, because we just talked about how it is the holiday season and the holidays are fast approaching. Um, just wanted to let you know that it is happening. We are bringing paperbacks to TBR, so whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, or if you're on a budget, or if you just want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, you can now get a paperback subscription from TBR, curated just for you by one of our bibliologists, and spoiler alert, I'm a bibliologist, so it might be me. Um, You can also gift it, which is perfect for the holidays, and you can get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. Co. So that is our a little announcement about TBR, and um, we're going to hear from our first sponsor, and then we will get right back to you.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by The Dial Press, publishers of *The Prospects* by Katie Hoffman. The pressure cooker of minor league baseball leads to major chemistry in this exhilarating, sexy, and triumphant rivals-to-lovers debut romance. Gene Ionescu is the first openly trans player in professional baseball. He has nearly everything he's ever let himself dream of. That is until Louise Estrada, Gene's former teammate and current rival, gets traded to the Beavers. Now, Jean and Louise can't manage a civil conversation off the field or a competent play on it, but in the close confines of dugout benches and roadie buses, they begrudgingly rediscover a comfortable rhythm. As the two grow closer, the tension between them turns electric and their chemistry spills past the confines of the stadium. So this is one of the first adult rom-coms published by a major publishing house centering a gay trans man by a gay trans man. It also has ADHD and anxiety representation and some joyful, heartfelt moments. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to The Dial Press, Publishers of The Prospects by K.T. Hoffman for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Scribner. Weird Black Girls by Elwynn Cotman is a collection of seven stories in which characters pursue their obsessions on paths to glory and destruction, while all around them their worlds twist and warp, oscillating between reality and impossibility. On display throughout is Cotman's ability to reveal truths about the human experience, about things like friendship, love, betrayal, bitterness all through whimsy horror and fantasy. Elegiac in tone, imaginative and humorous in their execution, the character-driven stories in Weird Black Girls challenge, incite, and entertain. The author's last book was named one of NPR's best books of the year and was a finalist for the Philip K. Dick Award, with reviews appearing in the New York Times, Wired, Buzzfeed, and Locus, among other publications. Definitely make sure to check out Weird Black Girls by Elwin Cottman. And thanks again to Scribner for sponsoring this episode.
1: Okay, so news of the week. Um, I wanted to just share anecdotally really quickly. I don't have a link to this, but I did see that um, the, the YA um, adaptation of um, my Life with the Walter Boys is was, like, number one on Netflix last week. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's a TV show, and mm. it's adapted from the book by Allie Novak, and I had not read the book, but I really want to see the show. The show looks cute, um, and I was like, holy crap, it's number one in the U.S. Like, that's that, that's pretty big. Like, it's no small that's, potatoes thing. That is big. Netflix sometimes is so random with those things, I feel. Yeah. And I feel like I didn't see a lot of promotion for this. And that might have been because, you know, the strike and the strike was lifted just yeah. before this came out. Yeah. But I, I feel like I saw very little promo and then like all of a sudden it was number one on Netflix and like it still wasn't like necessarily being promoted heavily on Netflix. So I was like, that's cool. I'm happy for them. Um and it looks like it's a really good show for if you like, um, like to all the boys I've loved before, um, or The Summer I Turned Pretty because there's like you know there's the grief there's the loss but then there's like ooh, sexy brother love triangle type of thing which um sounds like a nightmare for me but I'm actually thirties, you know, so you when know you maybe say it like that I'm <laughs> like <laughs> 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 like please please do not put me in that sort of awkward position but also, I can see how it is um very fun to watch when it's on your TV and not yeah. live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um I just wanted to mention that because I feel like I again I've like not heard this show talked about, but then again it was like number one on Netflix. And so I'm really excited to watch it. Um I don't know if I will be able to get to it this weekend, but I am definitely going to watch it like very soon. So And then the other piece of adaptation news I have is one of my favorite graphic novels of all time, Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me by Mariko Tamaki and Rosemary Valero O'Donnell, is um, in the works to be uh, made into a movie, which is super cool. Um, So I don't know, have you read this graphic novel? I have not read this, but it's been on my list. I didn't know it was, it was one of your favorites. Oh, I love it. I it's bump it so up. good. Yeah. So it's basically about this girl whose name I've already forgotten, but she is dating Laura Dean and Laura Dean's like, her ideal girl like she's obsessed with lara um but lara has this bad habit of breaking up with her on holidays oh my god <laughs> so, Laura, stop being trifling i know girl. Right? um and so like every time this happens she's like oh my god like what's wrong like we're such the perfect couple like she keeps breaking up with me and like they get back together and then they break up again and it's this whole thing wow um, What I love about it is that, like, it's about really messy queer relationships, Mm. and it's messy queerness in a way that, like, I don't feel that queerness is always allowed to be so messy because, I don't know, for so long, especially, like, since I was a teenager, it seems like if you're in a queer relationship, you have to be, like, so perfect and so great to, like, gain the acceptance of the straights, and, like, it's just not realistic, I mean the straights are hello messy when it hello? comes to hello <laughs> so hello like, the queers like us queers should be allowed to be messy as well but, i'm like, saying I, oh yeah I, but it's a really great um graphic novel about teenage queer people and you know their their messiness but like also how much they care for each other there's a really good friendship story at the heart of this like it's just so good it's so good Sounds really good um I loved it and it has some really cool framing devices because um the protagonist likes to write to an advice columnist and yeah it's it's awesome
0: Um, that sounds so good it's been on my list for a minute I just haven't gotten to it you know I love a good graphic novel manga whatever so I'm gonna
1: have to bump that up I might read that for the holidays do Do it I loved it and um quick note Mm. the person that's attached um to play it or to produce and direct it is tommy dorfman who i'm not really familiar with but apparently starred in 13 reasons why which i didn't watch because um i found the whole setup of that problematic but that's a whole other Mm, discussion um but tommy dorfman's also the director slash producer of Mason Deaver's I wish you all the best adaptation. So that YA book which I think I remember hearing that it was going to be made into a movie but apparently like Tommy Dorfman's attached to that and they are in post production. So like that movie's coming sometime soon probably. Um so that's exciting. So Tommy's busy. Of- Tommy's busy. busy. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: yeah, I was reading this um Deadline article and now I'm like, I'm not sure what Tommy's pronouns are. So oh okay, she her. Um so apparently she said that like she's really committed to adapting um like queer content for yeah. the screen, which I'm like, yeah, bring it. So please um, and
0: yeah. make a holiday movie, Tommy.
1: Hello. Oh my God, please, Tommy, please. Like yes. we just need a queer holiday movie. We just need a good asking. one that's not <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> uh so you know yeah that's yeah. my fun news of the that um, sounds awesome yeah, yeah, I absolutely.
0: again I am ready to read this I probably will read it for like over the holiday Yeah. um yeah. so that should be fun glad you mentioned it glad you found that but yeah yeah
1: so okay our topic of the day Mm-hmm. which, since this is our last full episode <gasps> for the end of oh my the god. year... Oh my god. oh uh, Yeah, you will not hear from us next week because we are going to be on holiday break, but we will be returning on January 3rd. I just have to think about the date for a second. Oh, January yeah. 3rd. Uh, um. So, yeah, the 3rd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, is that right? That, it sounds wrong, but you're that right. That feels so far away. <laughs> it feels so wrong, but you're right, yeah. Uh, um, so we're going to be talking about our favorite books of the year oh, yeah. and- also, like, mo- like, okay, we're gonna talk about 2023 releases, but like, let's be real—we also didn't just read 2023 releases. Yeah. Some of us, and by some of us, I mean me, we're discovering books <laughs> that I was like, "Why didn't I read this two, yeah. three, four years ago?" Yeah. Um, um, anyhow, so yeah, we are gonna be talking about our favorite reads, and I always do this at the beginning of every sort of favorite reads episode. Where I say, like, look, this is highly subjective and we are just two people who do not read every book that comes out in 2023 yeah. as much as we'd like to. So um, at the exclusion of any books in this episode do not mean that they aren't fantastic, awesome, amazing. It just means that, like, either we didn't read them or they just weren't for us. But I think, um, you know, there's like everybody reads things different things and every like things hit differently with different people so I think a lot of times like this time of year can be really fraught for people if they don't like have like especially authors if they don't have a book that's like on my you know best books of the year list like um and that can kind of like weirdly mess with your head so um, yeah I I just you know it's there's so many books
0: there are so many books that keep coming out and i would say like i do a new releases post on our main site every week but like oh my lord the past few weeks have been so many there have been so many books like the third week of december is like when there's a break but other than that it's books 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 so it's
1: impossible to read them all and hear about them all so yeah, it really is. And I think the thing that I'm trying to focus on, especially like as an author, too, is the fact that like, if if we are lucky, like knock on wood, um, books have a longer shelf life than more than just one year. You That's know? true. So I, I mean, literally just today, because I'm you know a weirdo who has like google alerts for her name on the internet which is (laughs) probably disabled but i have not quite done that yet um but like somebody oh my gosh i didn't know that okay i know i'm a weirdo sometimes it's good because like i've been like alerted to things that i would like i like to know i'm like Oh, that that's cool yeah. I'm so glad that somebody like mentioned my name and now I gotta you know google or and sometimes it's bad and I'm like I wish I didn't open this email <laughs> but I opened up an email that's today cool. and somebody somebody mm-hmm. on a blog like tagged my book as like one of their like my first book the book that came out like two and a half years ago yeah they're like oh this was my favorite book that I read this <gasps> year and I was like Yay. that's so sweet so I think you know hopefully if any authors are listening to this just know that like your books can have a long life and I also love when I read a book by somebody and I discover that they have like a deep backlist because there have been like a lot of books that I read this year that I really love that came out like more than five years ago, more than 10 years ago. So that is my wish. Um, But we live in a very, you know, now focused society. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about our favorite books of this year. Yep. So, (laughs) Yeah. Um, do you want to kick us off with some something that you read that you loved? And we're going to try to go through this quickly because we know that we can be talkative, but we've got a yeah. lot of ground to cover.
0: Yes. And we've mentioned some of these books before. Um, my first book on the list, it did not come out in 2023, but we read it together. It's All My Rage by Sabata here. And it, for some reason, I don't read a lot of contemporary uh, non-fantasy YA. I just... Unless it's a graphic novel. Like I just, you know, I like what I like. I gravitate towards what I gravitate. I should reach out of my comfort comfort zone more though, because I really like this book. And I don't remember whose idea it was to read it. It might have been yours, but whoever's idea was, it's it was great. Um, this book is really good. It follows Salahuddin and Noor, who are two Muslim teens in California. And they are basically just trying to make it. They're, like, outcasts. They are in this small town, again, in California. Noor lives with her uncle, Salahuddin, with um his parents. Um, and there's a parent sickness. There's a lot of stuff they're going through. And there's something at the core. There are a couple things at the core of each character, Salahuddin and Noor. That is a source of trauma, and it's not immediately apparent at the beginning. It kind of gets unfolded. How it gets unfolded is very interesting, Um, and it feels very real, and it is very sad and infuriating, but all... Everything together, it's so well written, and I really love. Yes. It. Oh yeah.
1: I think we decided to read this because we were like, we should pick the Prince winner um, as That's, our next. Yes. Yeah. And then this one, the and I was, I remember talking about you, talking about this with you before um we like, you know, officially decided. But I was like, we should do the Prince award winner. It's, yeah. um, it's announced next week, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what book is going to win. And yes. I was right. Yes. Um, you were This right. is definitely on my backlist favorites list of you know reads that i loved because oh my gosh it was amazing so so good yes. oh my god i can't think about it too much i'm gonna cry i, again. I know i know i was I'm crying, crying. <laughs> Jesus. i was crying this one made me cry too oh so yeah sad. oh my god so amazing yeah but yeah so if you haven't picked this one up already definitely recommend it hmm Um, so one of my favorite books is one that I just finished. It's Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Bully. Um, It is the companion novel to Firekeeper's Daughter, which um, also won the Prince Award a couple of years ago. Really fantastic book. Um, I actually liked Warrior Girl Unearthed more than I think than I liked Firekeeper's Daughter. And I enjoyed Firekeeper's Daughter. So um, you you don't have to read firekeeper's daughter in order to like enjoy warrior girl on earth, but there are like some slight spoilers if you don't read that one first. So just make that decision for yourself. Um, but they are completely separate like plots and there's a lot of character overlap, but different protagonists and different, um, uh, yeah, different protagonists, different main characters. So um warrior girl on earth is about perry she's looking forward to a summer of slacking off and just kind of enjoying her free time off of school Mm. but she is forced to enroll into an internship program for tribal youth um within her tribal government and um she is placed Um, in an internship with the um, local museum. Um, It's like the Ojibwe Culture Museum. And as she is interning and she's talking with the curator, he teaches her about um, the fact that there are so, so many um, artifacts, but also um, actual human ancestor remains um, oh. that are, yeah, that are in p- private collections that are in university collections that are in, um, oh. you know, big museums and they shouldn't be there because they were stolen by white people and they need to be returned to their tribes. And so she becomes very upset when she learns about this. And the more and more she learns about it, the more she becomes like really seriously enraged. And she's getting an education on um, what sort of rules and laws there are about repatriating, um, you know, the tribal objects, but also the the ancestor remains. And um she gets frustrated because the system is so bogged down in red tape, and there's a lot of ways that um, white people and um, museums are trying to prevent this from happening. And so she starts to think, like, "Well, what if I take matters into my own hands?" Um, so it's a heist novel. And oh, I didn't know it a yeah. heist novel. I know. Well, so like, yeah, I feel like it kind of buries the lead there because it's like. A yeah um and the heist like this is a thick book and the heist happens like towards the end of the book but like yeah it's building up to a heist um it's super fantastic i loved perry and yeah so it's just Mm. so good i could go on and on about how much i love this book but i'm gonna try to hold myself back because we've got a lot of books to go through but super fantastic warrior girl unearthed by angeline Bully. I didn't know that was a
0: yeah. I
1: okay okay. (laughs) Did it just like jump up your TBR list? It
0: kind of jumped up a little bit. Got a little jump there. All right, (laughs) so (laughs) I appreciate it. The next one I have is Invisible Sun by Kim Johnson. Definitely heard me talking about this. I think probably at the halfway mark of this year. It's about Andre Jackson who lives in Portland, Oregon. He When the story opens, we are with Andre. He's in the back of a car. He's in his, I forgot the official term for this person, but like basically a juvenile detention counselor, kind of like a, a probation officer or something. I might be using the incorrect term, but he's in the back of this guy's car and the guy is driving him to his grandparents' house. He just was in juvenile detention for a few months and he's just like, Uh, just think of like where your head might be coming out from that. And the thing is, it's like before he went in, he wasn't really a kid to be in trouble like that. He did his homework. Not to say that kids who get in trouble don't do homework, but I'm just saying like, it was a surprise when he went in basically. Um, But the thing is he went in for something he didn't do. So now... Andre is black. So now, since he's done this time in Juvie and he's black, he has a certain label on him, a label that is unfairly put on him because again, he didn't do what he went in for. So he's got some beef. He's got a bone. He's got all the food, food item, you know, similes, whatever, synonyms to pick with the guy who actually committed the thing that he went in for. It's a friend of his a kid about the same age, and Eric, his name is Eric. Eric and his sister Sierra were adopted by a prominent um, wealthy white family in the area. They have other adopted kids as well as their own biological children, and they live right next door to Andre's grandparents. Well, Eric is nowhere to be found. Where is Eric? And why is Andre the only person asking? Whenever he brings it up with Sierra, that is Eric's sister, she doesn't want to talk about it. There's something fishy going on. Um, This took place at like, it kind of takes place right at the onset of the pandemic. So um, the protests are ramping up and it's kind of organized by date. So it's like, yeah, you're kind of reliving that, but it also makes it really real. like how Kim Johnson wrote this, it felt like it really was Andre's diary and he was experiencing this stuff in real time. So it explores like gentrification and racial discrimination and all these different things. It felt really real. I think it was really well done and um, you have different things in it. Like I said, Um, uh, exploration of civil rights issues. There's also a mystery. Because we don't know where Eric is. Mm. That gets figured out. All right. So it's really good. Again, Invisible Sun by Kim Johnson.
1: Love it. Mm -hmm. Um, My next pick is another 2023 release, Enter the Body by Joy McCullough. And holy crap, this book is so good. I can't remember if I've talked about this book very much. On this, You have. I I know because (laughs) I put it on my list because you told me. Okay, okay, awesome. So I'll keep this brief. Um, this book is a little weird, sort of defies um, easy, you know, summary. But imagine there's a stage and beneath that stage is a room accessible only by a trapdoor through the stage. And in that room exists all of the women that die in Shakespeare's plays and they aren't talking with one another they're just kind of existing down there dead maimed all this sort of stuff um and what happens if juliet from romeo and juliet ophelia from hamlet and cordelia from king lear come together and they start talking and they start sharing their stories and then they start talking to each other and they start questioning their stories um that's kind of the book in the nutshell but like oh it's so good like it's so lyrically written and beautiful and intense and very smart and i i mean I, <sighs> I loved it so much. It's very weird. There's nothing else like it in YA. Um, it does help if you know or have some familiarity with these Shakespeare plays, but you don't have to in order to read and enjoy this book. In fact, it might be a little a good little entry point for anybody who doesn't know much about Shakespeare and wants to kind of explore Shakespeare. Um, so it's brilliant. It is Enter the Body by Joy McCullough. So you think that it would actually be kind of
0: better to read that first if you're if someone's curious about Shakespeare. And then to get into watching the, I guess, more traditionally
1: told stories. I I think if you, yeah, if you wanted to, you certainly can. Because um, how it works is like the first half of the book, each of the characters retells the play from her own perspective. And I think that's really interesting. Oh. Um, Because it's also done like in a really succinct way, which, you know because the book is not like 500 pages long so yeah I think it could work because you you know and I I mean maybe I have an unfair advantage because I've read a lot of Shakespeare I was an English sure. major I took an English or I took a Shakespeare course where I read like all these plays and more mm. um but yeah I think you could re- go in and get to know the characters this way and then it kind of gets you thinking about Shakespeare and stories and You know, who tells women's stories and how do they tell women's stories? Um, But then you could go watch the actual play or read the play. And and that is, you know, a totally different experience. But it would at least kind of give you a little bit of familiarity going in. That makes sense. Was this was this a novel in verse or no? Yeah, so it's a novel in verse, but it's also written um, in like a play format as well. So there's a lot oh. of different formats kind of going in. Um, but it's, that and there's very cool. few pages that are straight up prose, but there is some straight up prose as well. That's so, so
0: interesting. The premise of it kind of reminds me of the Bechtel test in a way.
1: Right? Yeah. Am I saying that correctly? Bechdel? The, the, I think it's Bechdel.
0: yeah. Bechdel, yeah. Yeah. Where it's like women... Do, are women speaking to each other about things other yeah so that yeah right yeah yep. other than so, men yep <laughs> exactly about things other than yeah so really interesting ah she's tears I know and all these things I don't got the time I don't have enough time um but yes so I will get into my next book right after we hear from our sponsor <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle. Walk, Ride, Paddle is a captivating memoir of Senator Tim Kaine's physical journey through the Virginia wilderness, but it is also a unique and ultimately optimistic perspective on these pivotal moments in history, offering inspiration, wisdom and hope. With immediacy and honesty, Kaine pulls back the curtain to reveal his inner thoughts during such monumental times. And Kane's storytelling gift and wise observations offer a fascinating glimpse into the mind of a seasoned politician and outdoor enthusiast. Walk Ride Paddle is available everywhere audiobooks are sold on April 9. It is narrated and written by Tim Kaine, Virginia Senator and former Democratic vice presidential candidate. It's a compelling account of one man's journey across hundreds of miles of Virginia wilderness and a moving testament to the optimistic spirit of America. So make sure to check out Walk, Ride, Paddle by Tim Kaine. And thanks again to Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle, for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets." But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and oh so many lies the relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies found in biological family and lovers and more thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books publishers of the smash hit fourth wing for sponsoring this episode (laughs) Okay, so the next book I have is a manga series. I think I just spoke about it last full episode we did, so I'm not going to get into it too in-depth because I don't want to be too redundant. But it is The Apothecary Diaries by Natsu Huga, illustrated by Neko Karage. Or I might have that a little flip because this um, this series actually... The manga is actually an adaptation of the light novel series. If you're unfamiliar, light novels are kind of like in between um, novels and manga, which is like, they have way more words, like a novel would, but they have like some illustrations throughout. So, yes. So this is an adaptation of the light novel. Basically, it is about a young woman. Her name is Mao Mau, which I found out recently. <laughs> In, I think, Chinese, it means cat. It's like cat-cat. Because, like, Mao. Like, Mao. (laughs) I found out because I read the latest. So, when I first spoke about this manga, I had read, like, I had read a little bit of the first volume and watched a few episodes of the show. The show is what got me into it. Now, I have read all ten manga volumes. So... Um, I think in the latest one, they find a cat in the inner palace and they name the cat Mao Mao. And, and she's like, why did y'all give the cat my name? <laughs> so anyway, it's cute. So it is basically kind of an episodic mystery series, but it takes place in, um, I want to say ancient China, but I forgot exactly when it is, but it's hundreds of years ago in China and it has all these different really interesting elements. Like one, you have, um, the Chinese setting, which is really interesting. You have the, um, inner court, you have court politics and court antics going on. There's always someone trying to poison somebody. Um, somebody got pregnant, someone's running around, you know, doing something they shouldn't be doing and Mao Mao is an eccentric young lady. She got trained as an apothecary by her adoptive father. And there's even a past with him that gets found out. And there's this kind of a slow burn romance ish that is developed between her and a high-born eunuch named Jinshi, Master Jinshi. but there's more to him too that you find out. And there's some things that I'm kind of like iffy on. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if I like that, but they're smaller. And also I like so much else of the story. I haven't read all of it, so I have to, you know, see how things turn out. But, um, It's a really fun, like, kind of cozy mystery series. It does have um, some more mature themes that would be better suited to the older end of the YA spectrum, though, too. So keep that in mind. Definitely not for young. I mean, the young kids might not get some of it anyway. Anyway, so uh, I really love this series. It really has me, has me, like, in a hold, so again, that's the Apothecary Diaries by Natsu Hyuga, illustrated by Neko Kurage.
1: Awesome. Yeah. All right. So my next pick is A Long Stretch of Bad Days by Mindy McGinnis. Um, If you've listened to this podcast at all, I think you know that I love Mindy McGinnis. Mm -hmm. Um, This is her newest book. um, Just came out earlier this year. She writes like really dark, gritty YA and they're usually set in um, small Midwestern towns where secrets lurk. And this one is no different. It is about two teenage girls who um, are forced to work together on a podcast and they start investigating their town's history. And one thing that they investigate is their town's long stretch of bad days, which happened in the 90s, um, because, oh, my gosh, we are so like this. This book was happening when like I was an actual child. And it's like my parents are teenagers in the nineties. This was years before I was born. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess Gen Z really is that young and I am that old. But anyhow. Um so it's set in the nineties. The (laughs) long stretch of the book's not set in the nineties. It's set in modern day, but the book is about them investigating this long stretch of bad days, which happened in the 90s. And um, it was basically like three horrible, awful things happened in their small town over the course of a single week. And um, as they start investigating, they realize that a teenage girl went missing during the stretch of bad days. But like there's no record of like a police file. Like, you know, there's just no evidence that anybody ever looked for her. So they start to um, look for her and they decide that they want to find this missing girl. Um so good. So, so good. It, it sounds is, so good. Yeah, it's got great characters, really good plot, um, really great pacing, and it gets really intense at times. Um, so this, as far as I'm concerned, was another like standout winner from Indie McGinnis. It is a long stretch of bad days.
0: Amazing. Okay, so... Next, what I have is "The City Beautiful" by Aiden Polydoros. This one came out late 2021, like in October, but I read it this year and it gagged me, honey. Like I already spoke about this in another episode. I don't remember quite when it was. Um, I think I spoke about it in length. Basically, it takes place in Chicago in 1893 during the Chicago World Fair, which was just a hot mess. I mean, I remember reading about um, Eric Larson, this is not YA, but he wrote a book, uh, I think it's called The Devil in the White City, and it was about the Chicago's World's Fair. It's like two parts to it, or two perspectives, like the architecture of building the World's Fair, uh, and then also uh, a serial killer who came to, I don't know, how do you, prominence almost seems like the wrong word. Yeah. A killer who was really active during that time and got his jollies. H.H. H. Holmes, I believe. So um, it was a hot mess. It was a hot mess. So Alter Rosen um, flees to the U.S. from Romania. He's in Chicago and he's Jewish and he's trying to he like everybody else. OK, is just trying to make it. People just really just be trying to survive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard. He lives with these other Jewish boys in this like um, tenement housing. Um, he's just trying to work and stuff like that. And he, he also is queer. So he's trying to keep that under wraps. Uh, one of the boys that he lives with ends up being found dead at the World's Fair. And he becomes possessed by that friend's Dibbuk, which is this kind of like demon thing um, that's part of Jewish mythology. So, a lot happens in this book. There are literally 480 pages. So, it's him contending with that, trying to find out, because the Dibbuk wants him to like get justice for his friend um he's reliving some of the things that happened in Romania and Yakov his friend is reliving some of the things that happened to him before he came to the U.S. there are horrible things that are happening in the U.S. as well there's anti-semitism there's homophobia um but it's also um it's it's not totally sad. There's also a lot of light to it. um, A lot of joy. There are interesting uh, things I learned about like Jewish culture and stuff like that. Um, And of course, you know, I like my spooky ooky ookies. And so um, there's a lot of that because yeah, it gets, gets real. But yeah, I really, I really like this. It also made me mad. <laughs> it made me
1: mad. But yes, The City Beautiful by Aiden Polydoros. Yes, I know. You've talked about this book a few times. Yeah. And I saw Aiden's new book in my library um, earlier this week. And yes. I was like, ah, I gotta get it. That yeah, looks good to... too.
0: That's yeah. what my, is it like a, it's like Death Becomes Her or something? Yes. I'm yes.
1: like, say less. Take my money, mm-hmm. please. <laughs> right. take, take all I, my money. I know. I didn't get it because I had other things in my hands and I was like, I'm yeah. going to try to be responsible, but I'm going to go back for it for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, my next pick is one that I actually just finished um, as well and I was like, holy cow, favorite book of the year material for sure. Nice. Um, it is Into the Bright Open by Cherie Dimaline and this is my first book <gasps> that I've read by her. I yes. know she's written like YA and adult books and a lot of people really love her Um, this is my first experience so it is a secret garden retelling Mm -hmm. and it recasts the protagonist Mary as this very privileged girl who grew up in Toronto at the turn of the century and one day her parents are tragically killed so she is sent to go live at her uncle's manor and her uncle has this manor in the quote-unquote wilderness of the Georgian Bay Area and everybody who is like whisking her away is like, "Oh, you know it's just utter wilderness it's you know there's nobody there but but like trees and Indians essentially um, and so there's um you know some uh, negative, uh, descriptions of native people, just FYI in this book. Um, and so she goes there and she's not really sure what to expect, but her uncle isn't home cause he's hardly ever home. He's got his own issues. And she discovers that her uncle's household is mostly made up of, um, Matisse, uh, people, and they are very welcoming to her and they're very kind. Um, but they don't take her BS about, um, you know like racist bs about indigenous people at all Uh, but at the same time like they recognize that like she's been cast aside unloved like her parents never really cared for her and so they show her love and acceptance for the first time in her life and mary responds very positively by re-examining her biases and being like oh okay you know maybe maybe that what people say is not true that's Um, nice of them yeah, that was um, nice of them. It, it, there are some really funny and cringe moments, you mm-hmm. know, because Mary is like, like, like the original secret garden. Mary is not exactly a great person at the beginning, right. of the book, but right. she has a really good arc where she does open up and she realizes how terrible she was and she changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the course of this, um, she, of course, discovers a secret garden. But she also discovers that she has a cousin named Olive, who is half Matisse and is living in the attic like she's locked away in the attic. Uh, day in, day out. Um, and she and Olive form this fast friendship and um, she learns that she cares for people. Um, it's also a queer retelling. She has this very gentle, beautiful romance with another girl. Um, everything about it is so good and so fantastic. And of course, they are working um, against some very bad people who want to mess life up for them. Um, I won't give anything away too much, but you know, it's a secret guard retelling. So you you can mm-hmm. probably guess where it's gonna go um but at the same time oh it just was so lovely and it felt like such a fresh take on that classic which admittedly is not my favorite classic ever i think i've, I've only read it once and i was like yeah hey, this is fine I, I have no desire to ever go like revisit it so at first this wasn't really on my radar and then i heard from a couple of people who were like oh this is so good and i was like you know what i'm gonna give it a shot so i listened to it on audio into the bright open by sheree de and it was excellent i loved it so much
0: i don't even remember i know i know that story i like i've read it probably when i was a child but i do not remember the secret garden like
1: it's been a while
0: but yeah that does sound lovely
1: yeah it's so good i highly recommend it um i I thought it was excellent so yeah yes Okay, so next one I have is another manga.
0: It is Look Back by Tatsuki Fujimoto. And Tatsuki Fujimoto is the same person who wrote Chainsaw Man, which is one of the most popular manga on the West, West Coast in the West, (laughs) not just the West Coast, but like, you know us and north america and stuff like that so this one is what's called a i believe a one-shot manga which is it's not a series of um stories it's just one volume and the story is contained within this one volume and it's kind of a quiet like more meditative look like chainsaw man is like absolute chaos a lot of the manga and anime that get become popular in the U.S. tend to be like very action-y and like um, you know action-oriented and magic and fire which is fun. I like all of that too but this is actually about these two girls uh, in Japan. They're in school I believe like elementary school and they are both artistic. So you have Fujino who is like She thinks her her drawing and stuff is like the best. So she does these like weekly little cartoons and like their school paper and people always compliment her and stuff like that. And she thinks she is like that girl. And then you have a shut in. Her name is Kyomoto and it's never really super examined what's going on with her, but Kiyomoto stays at home. So she gets her like lessons and stuff delivered. Obviously there's some kind of, you know, um, mental health issue there, but it's not super explored. So what happens one day is Kiyomoto, the girl that stays at home instead of, instead of going to school, Kiyomoto sends in a drawing like for the, um, school little comic strip and people are like yo that is so good and Fujino gets knocked back like she's knocked out the water like who is this girl like encroaching on my territory and she kind of feels some type of way about it at first because compared to Kyomoto's art Fujino's art is like juvenile looking they're both kids but Kyomoto is so talented anyway so the teacher sees, like, okay, these girls kind of have something in common. Kyomoto doesn't really have friends because she stays at home. So I'm going to have Fujino deliver a um deliver her homework. And so maybe that'll make them bond. So they start to come to find out. Kyomoto looks up to Fujino, who does the weekly cartoons, and they develop a friendship. And then the story takes us through the years with them like art school and then they start working on their manga together. And it's really interesting. It it is sad. But it also, like I said, is meditative and it's a nice um departure from what I usually read with manga. So yeah. Look back by
1: Tatsuki Fujimoto. Awesome. Um okay, real quick, I want to tell you about two of my favorite graphic novels that I read this year. Yay. Um, the first is The Princess and the Grilled Cheese Sandwich by De Munez, And if you liked The Prince and the Dressmaker, you will love this book. It is about a young woman whose father dies and in this fantasy world, um it's not possible for her to inherit her father's title or wealth because she's a girl. And so she says, forget that. And she um, goes to the capital city and she disguises herself as a boy. And she's like living as a man in order to um, get her father's wealth. And while she's there, she's, you know, exploring the town, meeting new people. um, And she ends up meeting the princess, um, princess Brie. And there is definitely sparks between them, but it's a little bit awkward because um, she's like, "Uh, I can't tell the princess that I'm actually a girl. Like what would happen? Um, It's really sweet. It's really funny. There are so many cheese puns, like so many cheese (laughs) puns. Their names are cheese. Their names are cheese. Their names are cheese. Everything's cheese. It's so funny. It's very cheesy, but in a delightful way. Um, and it has like a really nice ending. And I also liked the world because like it's you, it's setting you up to feel, make you feel like it's kind of like this medieval fantasy world. But then like there's randomly technology in it. And I think that it was just this really like quirky, delightful thing. So um, Princess and the Grilled Cheese Sandwich, it's excellent. And then the other that I loved is North Ranger um, by Ray Terciaro and Brie Indigo. And it is a retelling of Northanger Al- Abbey. Um, set in a modern day Texan ranch and it's, um, it's gay. It's got um, a gay teen at the center of it. It is so fun. Um, and it's, it's got like the nice mix of like spookiness, but like lightheartedness, but then also, there's some deeper angst with um, family and loss. And then there's the bromance. It was really awesome. Like one of the best, like Northanger Abbey, I think is a hard one to retell, especially in YA. And this book definitely knocked it out of the park. So those were my two favorite graphic novels that I read this year. North it has spookiness uh, that's uh, that surprised
0: me i didn't know it was, i never read the original story but i didn't know it was like kind of spooky otherwise.
1: yeah it's like very lightly spooky so the oh. the protagonist he is obsessed with horror okay. and um so the whole like shtick with Northanger Abbey is the protagonist thinks that like somebody is responsible for his wife's murder or oh, his okay. wife's death mm-hmm. and so it, it like they're like investigating and they're suspicious and so in this book um yeah, he's like convinced that his crush's mom was murdered, and he has to figure out like he wants to figure out who did it. And there's like a slight sort of you know suspenseful, spooky element to it as well. So yeah, it was. Oh, a-
0: that does I have that from the library, and I think it's overdue. Confession. Oh, I read it really confession. quickly tonight,
1: and then yeah, it back.
0: <laughs> Actually, yeah, since it's a graphic novel, I could do that.
1: I, I know it has like really pretty like sepia tones. Is that the right? Yeah, like brownish. Very lovely, like, brown and sort of burnt mm. auburn type of colors. Yeah. Like, I really liked it. And it's set in Texas. And, it, yeah. I think it's, the, it's very unique sounding. Just, I mean. Yeah. It, is, yeah. it was awesome. So, highly recommend it.
0: Awesome. Okay. So, I have, a surprise, surprise, another manga. This one, <laughs> this is one of those things where it's like, well, I'm probably, I, I know I'm overthinking this. Or, this is not, like, a deep like story like the books I started off talking about get into some deep issues they're very well written and this is well written too yes but this is this is just a fun thing that I really enjoyed and it is called Cat Plus Gamer it is by Wataru Naratani and it is about so the main character in here is a little is older than than YA typically covers But also this was published in kind of like the equivalent of YA manga magazine. How like manga is determined demographically is a little different in a way, but it is a universal story. So um, it follows Rico, who is an office worker, and she is obsessed with video games. Um, And she but it's funny because she has like two sides to her. She has her gamer side, which is like her true self, and she's like super into video games and like kind of Dungeons and Dragons type things and stuff like that at home. At work, she is all about her business. She finishes her work early so she can go home to play video games, but to her coworkers, she's like this very focused worker and she's like very serious. But little do they know that she is like a big gamer. So one day the security guard finds a kitten in the hmm. parking lot, exactly, finds a kitten in the parking lot, and he's like, he. Uh, I don't know, there's this kitten by itself, I don't know where it's bro- his brother, sisters, mother, whatever, I don't know where they are, Is by itself, does anyone want this kitten, it's got the kitten in the box, and she, surprising herself even, because she doesn't like to get too involved with work stuff, like I said, she's all about her gaming life outside of work, at work, she goes there to collect a check, and that's it surprising herself she's like i'll take it and then everyone's like you're gonna take the kitten she's like yeah and then she gets home and she's like wait why did i take this kitten i've never had a cat before i've never had a pet i don't know what i'm doing so what what the story is is basically her learning how to be a cat mom and she goes to the pet supply store and the pet supply person helps her out with different stuff and it's really stinking cute like He's a little tuxedo kitten. So when he learns to do more things, like the more he learns, like, oh, he'll jump up higher and higher like than he could before. There will be this panel in the manga where it'll show him dressed up as like an RPG game character. So he'll be he'll be in like a suit of armor with a sword or something. And he's like, oh, he leveled up to level 10 or something. It's really cute. <laughs> it's super cute. It's so relaxing. I I like devoured these. It's only on the third. The third volume came out this year, I believe. But they're so cute. I love them. Aww. So, yeah, again, yeah, it's super cute. And. If you've ever had a kitten, you're going to be like, oh, my God, this, yeah, this is the, the manga artist has a kitten, had a kitten at one point. So, again, this is
1: Cat Plus Gamer by Wataru Nanatani. Awesome. All right. We're going to wrap this up real quick. But first, let's hear from our next sponsor.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsey, her brother's friend, and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books and so i'm really looking forward to this one it's set in the spanish golden age during a time of high stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth it follows lucia a servant in the household of an impoverished spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles her social climbing mistress demands lucia use her gifts to win over madrid's most powerful players but what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn lucia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive even the help of Guillen Sant'Angel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must-read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at leighbardugothefamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo, for sponsoring this episode.
2: (laughs)
1: Okay, so I feel like I need to do a quick shout out for my backlist favorite reads of this year. Like you already talked about, all my rage that was definitely on my list of Uh backlist favorites. So so good. Um, This year I reread and caught up on the entire Graceling series by Kristen Kishore. Um, Those books, like the first book, came out when I was like an actual teenager, so it's it's been out in the world for a while. Um, So I read Graceling, and then I read Fire. And then I read Bitter Blue, which I had all read those before. Um, But then in the last few years, um, she's come out with Winter Keep and Sea Sparrow, and I had not read those. And so I reread the first three, and then I read Winter Keep and Sea Sparrow um, for the first time. And oh my God, I love them so much. Such a brilliant (laughs) fantasy series. Like, if you have not read, Kristen Kishore's fantasy series, like get on that right away. Um, They don't follow the same characters per se throughout all the books. Like every book has a different protagonist, but there's so much overlap between the characters. Um, And so you do get to kind of see the characters as they progress throughout the years. Um, But every book has a different protagonist, which I like. Um, And then I read A Heart and a Body in the World by Deb Colletti, which won a lot of awards and honors. when it came out a few years ago for whatever reason. I hadn't read that book before now, but I picked it up for I, I don't even know. I just I think I just picked it up and I was like, yeah, time to read this one. (laughs) stunning absolutely stunning i cannot believe i didn't read it sooner it is about a girl who is suffering from a major trauma you don't know what the trauma is at the beginning Mm. of the book and she decides to run like literally run on her own two feet from seattle to washington dc and it takes her like four months um but she does it so it is brilliant and like props to Um, Deb Coletti for writing a book in which literally all the characters doing is running and yeah like making that book (laughs) interesting because I was like how can we sustain this for an entire book but she does yeah that takes skill Yes. And then um, real quick, my last favorite, which I think I've talked about many times on this podcast this year, um, is The Do-Over by Lynn Painter, which is a hilarious rom-com about a girl caught in a time loop on the worst Valentine's Day ever. So I loved it so much. I won't go into any more details since I've already talked about this a ton, but highly recommend it. It's so good. So those are my backlist books that I read in 2023 that I really loved. Nice. Nice. Oh, so many things to add to the TBR. A lot of yeah. these I've already added
0: because you were gushing about them before, but I'm like, oh, I gotta bump these up. I gotta bump these up. Like Northanger, North yes. Ranger. Sorry, North Ranger. Yes. North Ranger. Oh, yeah. Let me get it right. So we're we gonna are we gonna fly through holiday reading real quick?
1: Yeah, tell me what you're gonna read over the holidays, because we're gonna have a little break. So tell me what you're reading.
0: Okay, so I'm definitely surprised. I'm reading the Apothecary Diaries light novel, the light novel. So the light novel is more ahead of the manga. The manga is like, I have to see... I think, like, so the manga is at volume 10 now, which I've already read. Um, and I think that is the equivalent of like volume four with a light novel. And a light novel has like 10 volumes. So I'm going to be occupied uh, with that. And so there's that. And I was also thinking of Our Cursed Love by Julie Abe. And that follows two teen friends who've been friends for a minute. And the girl is, like, in love with her friend, but she doesn't want to um, admit it. And then they... So they take a winter trip to Japan, and they're both Japanese-American. They take a winter trip to Japan, and they... She has this, like, tea leaf reading, and it says that she is not going to be, she's not destined to be with her best friend, whose name is Cam. So she's not destined to be with Cam. And she's like, "Um, I'm pretty sure I am girl. Can you read it again? And then they come across this apothecary, like in the back alleys of Tokyo. And they get offered what's called a soulmate elixir. It's supposed to be like this ancient formula or whatever. But it makes Cam forget who she is. So now she has to get him to remember her before midnight on New Year's Eve, or else they will both forget each other forever.
2: So mm-hmm.
0: it felt it felt it's like, you know, like the romance, little the little magic piece in there. takes place in winter it's in tokyo it felt for me it felt like a good holiday type of situation i might read that i don't know if i'll have time because i'm going to be inhaling the apothecary diaries we'll see
1: that one's amazing yes Um, so right now I'm actually, I just started Accountable by Dashka Slater, which is a YA nonfiction book. Um, she wrote The 57 Bus, which came out a few years ago, was a huge big deal. I really liked The 57 Bus. This one is about, um... The true case in Northern California, where there were a group of teens and a very racist social media account that they were um, putting out into the world and um, the real world consequences of like, you know, college decisions revoked and everything when that racist social media account um, went viral. Yeah, I I vaguely remember it from a few, it happened in 2018. So I sort of, I sort of remember it. Um mm. but like I'm listening to this audiobook right now and, and about it and it's very interesting because mm. of course she does a deep dive. And one thing I really appreciate about Dashka Slater um in both the fifty-seven bus and so far in this one is that she is very good at resisting the idea that like one side is good one side is bad she's really looking at the humanity and the terrible decisions that are you know being made by all parties and so you really get a full picture i think of all the people involved so i can't wait to like finish this because i and i just started but that's what i'm going to be reading going forward wow, I it's so good so I, yeah
0: i feel like with stories um movies books whatever I feel like with certain things that we now accept as being bad like racism, sexism, whatever, I feel I think sometimes people when they simplify the people who are doing these things into like these just villains, it takes away from the reality. It's like yes. People who are racist they also have people who love them and they're someone's brother, sister, mother, cousin, uncle, aunt, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like you do the whole thing a disservice when you're not real
1: about what's going on. So I do appreciate exactly. that. Exactly. And I yeah. hate it in true crime when people are like, Oh, he was just a monster because he killed this person. Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, he what he did was monstrous. It was very bad, but he's not a monster, he's a human. And so, like, I'm more interested in, like, what drives a human to do those monstrous things. And when we just write people off as monsters or bad, like, I I think that, yeah, like you said, it's a missed opportunity to, like, really get it, like, the truth of it. So Yeah.
0: And it also helps us to not catch it again because we're going to be too busy being like, well. And also other, like, high-profile crime people will be like i'm i'm surprised he did that he was always so nice and it's like yes mm-hmm. nice people do things like this sometimes
1: yep every murderer probably had somebody that loved them at one point in time yeah, like exactly. you know they they don't always yeah it's not always obvious so anyway that's like my little my little uh, soapbox on that but i'm really enjoying <laughs> accountable and yeah. yeah i'm excited to keep going and that i mean good. yeah so good
0: amazing I have before we close out we're just about done I have a question for you yeah what are you do you have any I was talking to my friend before we started recording I was talking about movies that I wanted to see like you know sometimes people have a tradition of seeing movies for like around oh, christmas yeah. or whatever over the holidays what, yeah. yeah do you have any that you want to see
1: oh well okay i definitely like i said at the beginning of the episode i want to make time to watch my life with the walter boys mm. sometime this month um so that's like a tv one at one season tv series right. um and i'm also excited this is another book adaptation although not ya i'm excited to watch leave the world behind it's on netflix It's based off of the book by the same title by Ruman Alam. Um, I read the book a couple of years ago. I thought it was really good. And then other than that, my partner and I were talking about like rewatching some old like franchise movies that we really enjoy over the holidays. And we're going to rewatch like all the Oceans movies, like Oceans 11, 12, Oceans 8. So yeah.
0: Amazing. That's awesome.
1: So yeah, how about you?
0: I I I actually want to go to the theaters. I haven't been to in a while. There's a Godzilla movie that I heard was good. Um, <sighs> Godzilla one or so. I'm not really super big into yeah. Godzilla, but they said it was really good. Um, I want to see the Beyonce <laughs> Renaissance concert because yeah. I didn't get to go to the concert. Um, there's american fiction is coming out or is out i believe <gasps> i do want to see that that looks yes good. A co- the color purple is yes i forgot when that's coming out there's a there's a few things that i want to see willy wonka the 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 trailer i saw for it was like not it was not giving what it i needed to, it to give but i've heard that it was okay it actually was good
1: yeah. i don't know I'm, I'm kind of like, eh, about it. Like, Same. I don't know. There's yeah. nothing about it that makes me, um, you know, be like, oh, my gosh, I really want to go. Um, we don't have a theater in my town, which is very sad. So I have to drive an hour to a movie theater, which is annoying. Oh, my God. Um, but I will say this. The Boy and the Heron, which is the new oh, Miyazaki yes. movie. Oh, yes i want to see too. that that one too yeah How can i forget that one yes i know right and we just um it's available on as streaming like like very expensive rental streaming um Oof. the holdovers it was really good what's um, that about that sounds familiar but i'm not remembering what it that was about It stars Paul Giamatti, and it is about – Paul Giamatti is this teacher, this very grumpy teacher at a boys' um, prep school, boarding school in New England in 1970, and he has to stay over the holidays with um, a small group of boys who have nowhere to go on Mm. Christmas, and so they're staying at the school, Mm. and um, it's really good. That sounds nice. That sounds like perfectly – holiday oriented as well yeah i i feel like it's it's a great movie that i feel like will add like i'll add to my holiday rotation um yeah. it's it's a bit angsty a little bit sad but also really funny so yeah. i highly recommend that so nice. yeah those are my recommendations as well
0: <sighs> yes those are good ones i i appreciate you remind me of the boy and the heron Where yeah i want to mind? see it i really want to see it actually i have a lot will of movies watch. to watch yes
1: anything miyazaki does i will watch apparently so. that's the his last one i think that's what he said maybe he'll change his mind i maybe think he might he might, might <laughs> yeah. be like okay okay psych. So just one more just one more one more right he hopefully. strikes me as somebody who um yeah i will think so keep too creating until he's dead so. exactly yeah. i think so too hopefully yeah. awesome Okay, so thank you so much for tuning in this week. I know this is kind of a long episode, um, but we appreciate you sticking with us. We hope that you have a wonderful rest of 2023 and a happy new year. Um, Please feel free to leave us feedback about the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It lets us know how we're doing and it helps others to find us. And you can always drop us a line at heyya.bookriot.com. Don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts and all things bookish and mytbr.co for TBR book subscriptions. Um, Thanks again to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And thank you to our awesome audio editor, Caitlin Brame. Um, You can follow me on, not on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore. You can follow me on Instagram and threads though, at, at tears of price. How about you, Erica? I'm at Twitter on Twitter, rather at Erica underscore easy
0: underscore blue sky too, but blue sky, we're we're still working on her. We're still (laughs) getting her together.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, we will be back again in January. And until then, happy reading. Happy reading.